Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard has stepped down from his post as head of the bank, effective today. Bullard said that he would fully depart on August 14th to become the inaugural dean of Purdue's business school. Bullard, who doesn't vote on rates this year, has been seen as a bellwether because his views have sometimes foreshadowed Fed policy changes. We heard earlier from Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes. Coming out of the pandemic, Jim was one of the first people who made it clear that the Fed was going to have to get much more aggressive. He was the one, one of the first to start talking about needing to front load interest rate hikes. Mm. Going to have to move more, going to have to move faster. Rates are going to have to be higher and continuing to push in that direction. He obviously in the end isn't the only one. Right. But again, Jim has been, I think, a big monetary policy thinker. And in terms of actual policy steps, he has been a major force as well. The St. Louis Fed said that Bullard will remain at the bank in an advisory capacity over the next month. The bank also said that Bullard has recused himself from his monetary policy role and also other related duties, and he has ceased all public speaking. Well, a court ruling today that is being widely hailed as a victory for the crypto industry. And that story from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. A federal judge has ruled that a Ripple Labs token is a security when sold to institutional investors, but not the general public. The Securities and Exchange Commission has been aggressively targeting crypto firms for allegedly selling unregistered securities. Whether cryptocurrencies are securities had long been a major question hanging over the industry, which has argued it is not subject to the jurisdiction of the SEC and other regulators. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. All right. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission has asked a California judge to temporarily block Microsoft from closing on its deal, its $69 billion takeover of Activision Blizzard. And it comes as the agency appeals a lower court ruling that greenlighted the deal in the U.S. The ruling had found that the deal would not thwart competition in the markets for gaming and it would also not harm consumers. But the former FTC chair, William Kovacic, tells us that the regulator concerns over the deal aren't going away anytime soon. As organizations and institutions of this kind grow and grow dramatically, you start to wonder whether they become manageable even on their own terms. That is, to what extent do the managers of the large enterprises, as they grow, as they move quickly, Are they fully able to manage effectively what they're doing, even with the best faith efforts to manage effectively? That's William Kovacic, a former chair of the FTC. The FTC said that it would would seek emergency action by the Ninth Circuit Court to stop the Microsoft deal from closing. That's if its request to pause the deal is denied. Barring court action, Microsoft and Activision can complete the deal as of 11.59 p.m. in San Francisco on July 14th. Well, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is traveling to India and Vietnam next week with a goal of strengthening some 
some economic ties. Yellen will first head to India for a meeting of G20 finance ministers and central bankers. Now, the U.S. Treasury says that Yellen will be pushing for reforming global lending institutions to boost their scope of their firepower, basically. Yellen is also going to be looking to advance talks on easing the burden of debt in poorer nations. Up next after India, it's on to Vietnam, where she will be meeting with senior government officials and private businesses. Currency and trade, well, those will be among the topics for discussion. The stated goals of the trip, pretty simple, improving ties with both India and Vietnam. The less obvious goal, well, perhaps smoothing the path of those supply chains away from China. And China is taking a friendlier approach now towards artificial intelligence. That story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong. China has loosened some of the guardrails it proposed for chat GPT-like surfaces. Some 24 guidelines have just been finalized. They'll go into effect on August 15th. They suggest more flexible regulation than in the initial draft back in April. The document is the product of months of consultation between the government and the industry. The hope is to ease concerns over who takes responsibility for governing AI content on the platforms. The revised rules seem to balance that responsibility between the regulators and the platform operators. The goal is to regulate AI, but not stun its development. In Hong Kong, I'm joined Wong Bloomberg Day Brigasia. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Doug Krisner in New York. And Doug, we have two major developments here stoking gains in risk assets. We've talked about this more benign inflation readings that we've seen of late in the past few days in the U.S. And then also Chinese policymakers clearly reaching out to the private sector. Both of these trends can be fickle. But at the moment, the green light is flashing. Most definitely here in the States. One of the things that it has produced a much weaker dollar, I think, for the four days that we have had of dollar trading. We're down about 2.8% if you look at the Bloomberg Dollar Spot Index. Later today in China, this is going to be very interesting. There's going to be a press conference at 10 a.m. Beijing time hosted by Deputy Governor of the PBOC, Lu Guoqiang. Basically, it's going to be a a look at some of the financial data that we have seen for China in the first half of the year. Now, we know there have been a number of challenges. All you have to do is to look at the trade data that we had yesterday, a 12.4% decline in exports for the month of June. Brian, you and I have talked about the disinflationary or deflationary trend when it comes to factory gate inflation in China. So uh, based on a lot of the data that we've been looking at, there is a lot to be concerned about. Bloomberg Economics, I think I pointed this out earlier, is expecting Beijing to do a lot more in terms of recharging growth. The way the market is looking at this, Doug, is is not so much the data and not so much even, you know, the ins and outs of the stimulus. It's really more the approach of policymakers. You asked me a couple of days ago and I said, well, it really does seem to have uh, the policymakers approach seems to have changed. Mm. It's a it's a much different attitude. It's like all of a sudden the light went on that the way that they can get the animal spirits back is to stimulate the private sector. So we've need, seen a number of these developments who today. Today, we talk about balancing the approach to AI regulations, uh, that it's a little bit friendlier. We talked about the meeting between the premier and the big tech companies and the relaxing or the loosening of some of the payback uh, restrictions on on property developers. Uh, it's all it's more about the approach than it is the actual data here at the moment. That's why you had bad data yesterday. But look at the CSI 300 is up 1.4 percent. The Hang Seng Tech Index was up 3.8 percent. This is what investors are really um, feasting. 
not. So perhaps it's a combination of both. I hope for more stimulus and an understanding now that Beijing yeah. has come to the realization that the entrepreneurial class really needs to be embraced if you're going to recover an economy. Absolutely. And it sets up well. But as I mentioned, uh, it's fickle. We don't know. We've got Fed speak out there that's still very hawkish. But I think the market, the way the market's looking at that, perhaps you agree, is, well, we expect them to do this for now. Perhaps, perhaps. I think one of the things that's going to be very interesting uh, going forward here in the U.S. is what we hear tomorrow uh, from some of the big banks, right? The degree oh, yeah. to which uh, they're going to be positive or not on uh, the trajectory for the American economy. Because one of yeah. the things I think the data show in on the trade side for China the recovery in the global econ- economy, as tricky as it's been right now, if it's not there in a robust form, it's going to be even more difficult for China to recover, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And we can put a lot of this to Nancy Davis. We've got her coming up in a few moments. Uh, Nancy Davis is founder and CIO at Quadratic Capital Management. Now it's time for Global News. Actors and performers have decided to join writers on strike, saying it's an issue that will affect all elements of U.S. labor. Ed Baxter has global news from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, they make it a societal issue for sure, Brian. They go out tonight, the two main issues cited by union lead negotiator Duncan Crabtree, Ireland, streaming and AI. Actors deserve a contract that reflects the changes that have taken place in the industry. Unfortunately, the current streaming model has undercut performers' residual income and high inflation has further reduced our members' ability to make ends meet. Now, SAG after President Fran Drescher says they had no choice. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines. Drescher says this is important in every field in society because is what's being done to them will be done in all fields of labor, AI and automation. This action will shut down most all productions. Some game shows, reality shows have been able to go on, but this, well, should dent them as well. China has issues, has issued a statement telling the U.S. that it needs to stabilize ties after meeting between Wang Yi and U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. China's statement says the U.S. needs to stop suppressing China's economic, trade, and technology development. Wang also urged the U.S. to end sanctions against China and says channels of communication should be broaden. The statement also reiterated China's stance over Taiwan. Now, the U.S. statement specifically aimed at the alleged China hacking of government offices, including the State Department. And the State Department's Secretary of Commerce Office and other businesses using Microsoft business software impacted by that hack. White House spokesman John Kirby says the government did act swiftly. We took it very, very seriously, and we took actions uh, immediately after to uh, to try to mitigate the effects of it. Uh, We're obviously taking a fresh look at our systems. and our cloud computing uh, capabilities uh, to make sure we can uh, be more resilient in the future. He says uh, systems are now secure. U.S. President Joe Biden says Russia cannot sustain years of war in Ukraine. Biden says it is taking extraordinary economic and political toll on Russia. What agreement is ultimately reached depends upon Putin and uh, what he decides to do. But there, there is no possibility of him winning the war in Ukraine. He's already lost that war. He says for two reasons. One, Russia cannot maintain resources to go on fighting. Number two, uh, I think that uh, there is going to be a circumstance where uh, eventually uh, 
President Putin is going to decide it's not in the interest of Russia, economically, politically, or otherwise, to continue this war. Uh, Biden says when the war is over, Ukraine will enter NATO. Oh, by the way, Biden had an off-the-cuff suggestion for Wagner Group Chief Prigozhin. Quote, I'd be careful what I ate. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork, and it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Doug Krisner in New York. Our guest is Nancy Davis, founder and CIO at Quadratic Capital Management. Nancy, thank you very much for joining us. One of the bullish trends that we've seen here just of late is that inflation is coming down while wages tick up, and that is strengthening consumer buying power. How does that work its way into the bond market and your approach? Well, definitely the um, inflation expectations have been hugging 2% in the future for quite a while. We're having realized CPI data come in lower with the PPI this morning and the CPI print yesterday at 3%. So, But still, future inflation expectations are all right around uh, the 2% level when you're looking at break-evens. So we do think the market is really pricing in this uh this 2% level and inflation protected bonds actually look pretty attractive right now because the real yield that you can get, so that's a yield beyond inflation, for instance, on a five-year inflation-linked bond, some as 1.9% of real yield. Um, so higher real yields has really hurt the tips market. You saw that in uh, 2022 and this year. We do think it's an interesting time for investors to say, look, you know, the data has been strong, but the Fed, you know, are the rate hikes really working? Because even though the CPI and PPI have been coming down, I don't know about you, um, Doug and Brian, but I still feel a lot of inflation in my day-to-day life. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, in terms of what we learned yesterday from that CPI print, I think we had a core rate of what, uh, four, six? Um, mm-hmm. And then if four you look eight. at the, four, eight, uh, yeah. we look at four, six when it's the core PCE. Um, here we have this idea that there is the long and variable lag. Do you have a sense of how much tightening has yet to be felt by the economy, Nancy? I think no one in uh, 2021 was really expecting the the Fed to hike, you know, to five, over 5% in about a year. It was very surprising the speed and the rate at which they hiked rates. I think the question is, is we still have, you know, to your point with 4.8 core, is it really working? Is it enough? 
And the market, the interesting thing is all markets move off of future expectations. And future expectations for inflation are well below both the PPI and the CPI. Um, the U.S. yield curve is uh, near its all-time levels of inversion um, since the 80s. Um, so in the last, you know, 40-plus years, um, you can look on your Bloomberg terminal at the twos, tens, um, SOFR swap curve, for instance, that is currently negative 104 basis points. So it's near all-time lows, even lower than it was in the late 80s. But we were over 100 basis points in spread between twos and tens, and now in the 80s. Uh, it's not a lot. It's only maybe 20 basis points. But uh, you, you're, you seem to be saying that won't continue. Well, it's it's perplexing, right? Because if you think about it, you can buy a T bill, for instance, you could buy a one month T bill and get paid, you know, five twenty, five thirty, or you can lend money to the U.S. Treasury for ten years and get paid three point seven six. Right now is the current yield on the uh, the ten year Treasury. So it's a little bit bizarre. Like normally, when you lend money longer, you get paid more, and you're actually getting a negative term premium. That's what the inverted yield curve means. It means loaning money in U.S. dollars for longer, you get paid less. And so that's really the deflation, disinflation that's being priced into markets, as you, you and uh, and Brian and Doug were talking about earlier uh, on the show. You know, Brian and I were talking on the pre-show call, and he reminded me to take a look at a note today from Barry Bannister over at Stiefel. And uh, Mr. Bannister is predicting that inflation is going to be more sticky than uh, many are counting on. And he is also talking about the risk of recession for 24 um, you seem to be somewhat in that camp. I mean, I'm sensing a little bit of, of defensiveness. Maybe, maybe the the tactic here is going to be a little different. But are you um, adverse to taking a position long the equity market right now? Well, I think the position that I'm taking is more about owning inflation protection as part of a core portfolio. It's not so much a call on the equity markets. Mm. Equities have obviously had a pretty good year in the U.S. in 2023, and that's coming off of a you know the 60/40 portfolio had one of the worst years ever in 2022. Bonds have really traded sideways for the most part. But I think the thing that is very compelling to me is that inflation is not it's not a trade. It's not like, do you think it's going higher or lower? It's something we have in our day-to-day lives. We live in a real world. We have a limited amount of savings. We have hopefully some investments. But at the end of the day, everybody has a cost of living and uh, exposure to real inflation. And I think the opportunity that the market is giving investors is that inflation expectations in the future are priced right around 2%. And whether you think that's going higher or lower, the market is very confident that the Fed's interest rate hikes are going to cool future inflation expectations. And it's great that way. We could talk a lot longer on this, uh, but I wanted to pivot quickly to China. We're seeing policymakers there in the process of adjusting attitudes a little bit, and they're still tweaking their approach to stimulus. Um, uh, do Do you have like a rosy view of this or a cautious view of this, or how are you assessing it? I do think if you look at the um, private capital markets, whether it's private equity, private credit, those have been very, you know, very good for the economy and for the credit mechanism to translate, you know, policymakers, whatever they're doing in interest rates and in currencies 
into the real economy. And so I do think it's very hopeful to have more capitalism in the private markets and more extension of credit um, in markets, uh, in emerging markets and in China as well. So I, I do think that's a positive. And um, I think the more policymakers can employ, uh, you know, the entrepreneurialism that we have with, with companies and growing businesses, the better it is for everyone. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices, Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.